This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. What's up, what's up? Real MVPs, Ricky Widmer here, along with the Mark Webber. Dub them easy. And we are back for another edition of the Onside Kick, right here on Most Valve Podcast, where we talk about, Mark, the best and the biggest news in the NFL. We're kind of continuing our, I think as of right now, we're officially halfway through our season previews. Yeah. I think we have two we have We've two divisions We've entered the down. second half. We have the East and the North completely finished. You guys can go and check that out. We're going to do start the South today, then do the West in about two weeks. Yeah, right? that's how it works. This week, next week, and then we'll start the West. Mm-hmm. But in this one, we got a special topic to start you off. However, before we get to that, I got a little bit of housekeeping at the beginning of this podcast. First off, if you want to help support MVP more so, then you already do by liking, subscribing, watching. Go check out patreon.com backslash most valid podcast. If you join the $10 tier, you get to join a podcast each and every month and talk about what you would like to talk about with us on any of the podcasts for MVP. Also, go check that store link down below in the description. You can also get it at mostvalopodcast.com to get yourself. I'm not wearing it today, but I always do like the shirt show. Mm-hmm. Well, you demonstrate what a shirt would be. Yeah, what a shirt. It, it, the logo This is a right t-shirt. Here. It's not an MVP t-shirt. It's a yeah. t-shirt. For my, so you know. for my audio listeners, it's right in the middle of the chest. I just that's I always just put up the logo mm-hmm. when I wear it, but you can get that down below in the description or at mostvalopodcast.com. We can also catch MVP each and every day. And then last but not least, if you have Apple Podcasts, you have iTunes, make sure to go over and give the onside kick a five-star rating and let us know why you like listening to the podcast each and every week. But Mark, we're going to start before we get into the AFC South. We're going to take the AFC South. We're going to push it over to the side of the table. We're going to keep it over here. Yep. It's going to be on simmer on our stove because we got a new story that we got to get into before we get into the AFC South, and that is the Le'Veon Bell. I'm calling it a saga. The Le'Veon Bell saga. We've talked about this before. What's going to happen? Is he going to get a long-term extension with the Steelers? Is he going to stay with the Steelers? Well, the deadline for a long-term deal has now passed. It was Monday of this week. Now Le'Veon Bell does not have a long-term deal. It is likely, from his agent, likely that 2018 will be his last year as a Pittsburgh Steeler. I'm going to ask you, Mark, right out of the gate, and this might be a little extreme, but I'm going to ask it anyways. Will Le'Veon Bell ever play for the Steelers again? I don't think it's an extreme question, and don't yell at me in the comment section just yet. I say extreme Uh, because I'm assuming he's going to play at some point this year. I would assume so, too. But what I've said all offseason is that Le'Veon Bell himself Mm -hmm. said he will not play without a long-term contract. He won't play under the tender. So what that essentially means is that he's either telling the truth or he's lying Mm -hmm. in that case. And sure, whatever, there's gray area in between. Mm -hmm. but. If you want to really, really believe what Le'Veon Bell said, that he will not play without an actual deal, then yes, he's done with the Steelers. Because what we're assuming is that he's gone after this year, right? Mm -hmm. Now, realistically, he's not that dumb. He's not going to sit out an entire year at Mm -hmm. 27 years old, you know, when running backs make it to 30. Mm -hmm. So he's got, what, two years left, and then he sat out a whole year? He loses the bargaining chip. 
I like what Adam Schefter said, that there's a real chance that he might play only half the season because he doesn't want to put that work on him. You know, if I'm the Steelers and I'm thinking that this guy's done next year, you know what I'm going to do? Run him every single opportunity. I'm not letting him sit because I don't care. I don't care if he takes beatings because he's not back next year. I'm not worried about his long-term use for the team. And I know that's very cold, but that's the way an NFL team is going to look at it. And that's why, for me, I'm going to throw this out there. This is a thought I had. It's not going to happen. I'm just going to say that right now. It is not going to happen. If If we were talking NBA, it would totally happen. But we just don't see this very often in the NFL. If you're the Steelers, let's say it does get to that hypothetically, where Le'Veon Bell's like, you know what, screw it. I'm not going to play the first half of the year, which basically... If he went half of the games, their first eight games, he's coming back week 10 because their bye is week seven. Or if he only wants to sit out six, I'll sit out the first six games. I'll come back week eight against Cleveland. That's kind of what you can think about if he's going towards that maybe halfway through the season. My question that I had in my head after Le'Veon was like, hey, we ain't getting a deal done. There's no long-term deal. If you know right away, if the agent comes out and says 2018 is most likely his last, if you're the Steelers, should you be thinking, hey, you know what? If it gets towards the trade deadline or even before the trade deadline, because it's a tricky situation of, yes, he can help you win this year, Mm -hmm. but do you kind of do an NBA model of things that we always see where a team goes, hey, we're going to lose this guy at the end of the year? Let's try to trade them to another team yeah. so that we at least get something out of them. Which is fair if you if you really don't you, think he's going to play. Because you, yes. you could maybe get a first-round pick for Le'Veon Bell. I wouldn't give up a first-round pick. I think there's a team that would at least give you a first-round pick for this year. I mean, if you had a team that was in the playoff hunt mm-hmm. and, you know, let's just put it out there. The Green Bay Packers are in the playoff hunt. They're winning a lot of games, mm-hmm. but and man, they need a running that back. running game is awful. And I know people got a little bit uh, not angry at us, but they were like, "You guys are discounting their run game a little bit." Mm-hmm. I don't think so, but let's say that's the case. They could go and get it, and they could say, "Sure, fine, we'll give you a first rounder. Mm-hmm. We don't care." I believe they have two first rounders. The Packers, in particular, this is not really that relevant because yeah. they got one from the Saints, I think. Um, but they, uh, I might just be making that up. I don't know. I'm, I'm fact-checking. Yeah, you. but, you know, that's a team that could go for it. And it's any team that could go for it, sure. But the Steelers are going to be in the playoff race. They're not going to want to trade Le'Veon Bell to a team that's going to potentially go up against and them. And that's the tricky thing. Of, mm-hmm. Yes, like, yes, you may be. You are right. They do have the Saints, the Packers there you go. do. I thought so. Have the Saints first-rounder this upcoming year. That was in the trade with... Um, when the Saints moved up, I believe, for Marcus mm-hmm. Davenport. Yeah. Um, that was in that deal. Um, also, first-round pick, which was, became Rashad Penny, was in that deal as well. But the thing with Le'Veon is, yes, that's the tricky part, is if you're— because you're the Steelers. You're going to be, in my mind, one or two in this conference, maybe three, depending on how the Jaguars mm-hmm. will get to later in this podcast— you're going to be one of the top two, maybe three, teams in the AFC. Like yeah. Most people are expecting Patriots and Steelers at the, at very the top least, of the AFC. At the very least, you're in the playoffs. Exactly. Most people are picking them to win their division, which mm-hmm. is an instant playoff berth. The thing that I wonder, though, is 
What's going to be more important in your mind? Because it all comes down to what is Le'Veon thinking? Yeah. Is there any way to win him back? If not, I would kind of sit there and go, hey, you know what? If this guy's going to walk, it might not matter what happens in the playoffs because he's going to walk. We get left with nothing. I would go ahead and if if it was me and he's sitting out or even if he's playing, if I'm the Steelers, I look to trade him around yeah. week seven, week eight because I'd rather get something just, for him than just I let him I completely walk. agree. It's just not a very NFL type of move. It's a very and, NBA move. You know, and, and maybe someone wants to say, well, they did draft Mason Rudolph, so maybe mm-hmm. they are looking into the future. But you know you only got Big Ben for one or two more years because mm-hmm. he is himself two well, years in a row contemplated a, retirement. And that's another thing because I tweeted yesterday when mm-hmm. the long-term deal was not going to happen. I said, hey, this might sound like an overreaction, but – Mark this day down in the history books, July 16th, 2018. Basically, it is the beginning of the end of the Killer Bees' success in mm-hmm. Pittsburgh because yeah. this this will probably be the last year they're all three together. Then after this year, how I'm looking at it, it's basically Big Ben who has said he wants to play a couple more years, but if Le'Veon leaves and he goes, hey, you know what, this team doesn't have – as many weapons as I would like, yeah. I'm just going to leave and save my body and not have to deal with this anymore. And then if you're the Steelers, you're stuck with, and I say stuck with, and it's not like, oh, he's bad, but like you're stuck with just Antonio Brown, and one player, one wide receiver is not going to win you a Super Bowl in the NFL. It takes mm-hmm. a team. So Le'Veon yeah. leaves, Big Ben leaves, well, it, it's Steelers tough have because, a problem. You know, we talk about how Steelers are an obvious way into the playoffs, mm-hmm. but... You know, almost 1,300 yards came from Le'Veon Bell last year. Mm-hmm. That is nothing to just kind of be like, oh, yeah, we'll replace it. He had There's 1, 000, not replacing that. 1,291 yards, and for the touchdowns, receiving he had two, but on the ground, he had nine touchdowns yeah. last year. Now, you miss out on that, and that could be a thing that loses mm-hmm. you a few games, sure. But if I'm looking at this Le'Veon Bell standpoint, and the reason why the real answer to the question is, mm-hmm. of course he's going to play this year for the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you I, think he plays game one? Um, do you think it's more like— I do. Do you I think do. it's more like last year, which I heard that's what his mm-hmm. agent was kind of hinting at, is he's not going to play training camp or the preseason, but yeah. he'll play week one. Which is what I would expect, and mm-hmm. here's kind of why— we always say that when players have that contract year, they play big. They blow up. This is the contract year for—I mean, it's been, really, but this is a huge contract year for Le'Veon Bell because anybody has a chance at him mm-hmm. next year. And there are some teams, I'm going to say at Cleveland, San Francisco, the New York Jets, teams that have a lot of money to spend. Now, there are certain teams where you might argue, well, Cleveland might not really need— Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, but I mean, anybody could use Le'Veon Bell. Sure. These teams are going to have money to pay. Mm-hmm. They're going to be willing to go out there. And Le'Veon Bell's deal was averaging to about 15 mil a year. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't enough. So there's no way that the Steelers are going to get him back next year. Someone's going to have to pony up and pay huge for Le'Veon Bell. Because what is he? An elite offensive weapon. Well, and that's the big thing with this deal where why one didn't get done is because what it, from I was hearing is basically the Steelers were saying, hey, you're a running back. This is where your price point is. Mm. And Le'Veon Bell goes, oh, no, 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 no. I do a lot more 
than just what a running back does. I'm an offensive weapon. I want to get paid more closer to not the exact amount, but he wanted money that would be closer to almost a wide receiver type of deal. Like he's looking at these wide receivers that are getting big deals, and he wanted a deal that isn't exactly the same amount, but also he wanted a little bit higher. Also a big thing that was a hang-up that I was hearing from like NFL Live is that he wanted a ton of, like the one part that was important to him was guaranteed money. And I guess the Steelers weren't going to give him the amount that he wanted. Because it was a, when I was listening to, I think it was Lewis Riddick today, he was saying that, like, well, yeah, that guaranteed money's important because if you get injured, if it ain't guaranteed, like, You're it don't matter it. how yeah. much money the contract is if it's not guaranteed. So he wanted that guaranteed, and the Steelers weren't going to give him what he wanted there. And I started to think immediately what teams could go after Le'Veon next year. And these are kind of the few we'll kind of branch off into this discussion. Here's some of the teams that I thought could go after Le'Veon. Because for me, there's every, uh, almost every team in the NFL, there's a few that'll be like, now nah, we're like the Rams, now nah, we're good. We got Todd Gurley. The Cowboys, now nah, we're good. We mm-hmm. got Ezekiel Elliott. Jaguars, we got Leonard Fournette. But there are a lot of teams that are going to say, let's just throw a deal at him, see if he comes. The thing that I would say for Le'Veon is, unless you're a playoff contender and a serious playoff contender, he ain't going to go there. So, like, teams like the Jets, the Dolphins, the um, Raiders in my mind, no chance. Not a chance he ain't going there. So I looked at it, and these were some of the teams I was thinking about. First off, the Ravens. That'd be a very interesting divisional divisional team. They're right now on the cusp. If they got a first-year star running back, maybe that could push them over the edge. The Denver Broncos, depending on how they do this year, Case Keenum will still be the quarterback next year. That defense is still going to be a really good defense next year. They could really use a running back. I look at the Detroit Lions. Will they finally pony up and get a premier running back to help out Matthew Stafford in that offense? And then the other team that I thought of was the San Francisco 49ers. I know they just got Jarek McKinnon this past offseason, but who would you rather have, Le'Veon Bell or Jarek McKinnon? I'll go Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell's definitely the bigger deal there. Um, Here's the thing that I think I would be worried about on Le'Veon Bell's standpoint Mm -hmm. before I get into these teams and add one to the list, um, is that if I'm the Steelers and I know I'm not getting him back, I know I already made this point. Just trade him. No, I'm not going to trade him. I'm going to say, fine. We're going to get everything we can out of you. If you're showing up, we are running the ball more than any running back has ever ran the ball. Because I don't Basically care. Basically sabotaging him. No, I'm not sabotaging him. I'm getting, I know the lifespan of what I get out of this mm-hmm. player. I am getting everything out of him. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if he gets injured in that point. And me as a person, I do care. But I'm saying as a Mor- franchise yeah. owner, Moral, a head coach, whatever. Morals come into that a little bit. Yeah, but... <laughs> When you are one of these guys, it's where not very immoral. If thing your to team, do. yeah, but these are owners' moral. Oh, I know they're not, but I mean, to me, I would figure the that's coaches, kind of a shitty thing to do. They're shitty people like, half the oh, time, right? I, I know that. I'm just saying, like, mm-hmm. the, but that's the that's part my point. of I don't care about your health would be very shitty on the owner's part. I don't think the NFL gives a shit about any of their. Oh, health. I know. As mm-hmm. much as they want to say it's we all, care. It's all about that dollar dollar We care bill. as long as you don't mention the word CTE. It's all about that dollar dollar bill. Now, anyways, 
if I'm one of these guys, I'm saying I'm getting absolutely everything I can out of you. Mm-hmm. You know, almost thirteen hundred wasn't enough. Let's get fifteen hundred this time. Mm-hmm. You know, I want everything you can get because I want you, and I know that you're going to play hard because you want that new deal, mm-hmm. right? And you're not getting it from us; you're getting it from someone else. We don't yeah. care. Now that has the ability to, of course scare teams off of Mm -hmm. man that's a lot of miles on this guy or maybe he gets hurt something like that so that's risky for Le'Veon Bell although it's actually potentially going to be a better thing for him if that because if he he performs well with it he can get the deal he wants exactly now here's the thing though for Le'Veon the one team I want to add to that list and I really think can I take a guess at what team it is sure AFC or NFC it's in the AFC in the AFC yep I'm going to say the Chiefs. No, not nope. the Chiefs. The Bengals. Nope. Uh, right division, though. The, the Browns. Browns. And I, I don't think he goes to, to the Bengals. They've mm-hmm. got Joe Mixon. They like Joe Mixon. The Browns are interesting, though, because, like, I mentioned the 49ers. Yeah, they just mm-hmm. got Jarek McKinnon, but that's one back. The Browns just paid up, I'm going to say, for... Carlos mm-hmm. Hyde, and they drafted Nick Chubb. So what, oh, you're yeah. going to add another— But Nick Chubb is a different kind of guy than Le'Veon Bell. So Those does, are two completely different So would backs. that become Le'Veon Bell's your main back, Nick Chubb's your backup, Carlos Hyde gets you, pushed? I mean, you might even hope to have a Ingram and Kamara mm-hmm. type of scenario here, but only you're kind of flipping the roles a little bit. Because Carlos Hyde got a three-year deal, so we would still have I'm not two that years. worried about that. Okay. You know, I can make do with that or even get rid of him, <laughs> trade him. Someone will take Carlos Hyde mm-hmm. off my hands. Um I'm not that worried about Carlos Hyde. What I am worried about is the fact that I just drafted a rookie quarterback. Mm -hmm. I've got a better-than-everybody-thinks defense. Mm -hmm. I have a lot of offensive weapons. You know what? I can take a shot at this guy because what model am I following? The Seahawks, the Rams. I'm following the Chicago Bears method right now. I am following that young player. Let's make it happen. Uh, You know, there are like San Francisco still has money, but San Francisco still has things they need to fill as mm-hmm. well. And they already paid their quarterback. That's one reason why, even though I think San Francisco makes a lot of sense, uh, the Ravens will possibly work as well because Dude, Joe would... Flacco is going to not be there for that long. Not only then you that, you have a good defense, young rookie quarterback. You just got a nice offensive weapon as well. Not only that, but if he is kind of. If he's got a little, what's the phrase I'm looking for? If he just wants to stick it to the Steelers. Well, that's what I was going to bring be- up next. We're what missing better that part. to say, it's kind of like, uh, what was it, Des Bryant? That's like, I want to go to someone in the division because I want to yeah. play you twice a year. Well, I mean, I why did Richard Sherman go from Seattle to exactly. San Francisco? Because since Seattle lost their way, mm-hmm. and now he's over here. And he wants to see him twice a year and exactly. show him up. You know, and that's and it could go with the Browns. It could go with the Ravens. Either mm-hmm. way, the Ravens are a little bit more of that more recent rivalry for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think either one would work, and either one's a good team. The reason I lean a little bit more to uh, the Browns personally than the Ravens, the Ravens are that. We don't really know when Joe Flacco is gone and when this guy's taking over. But even I feel like Lamar Jackson is a smooth transition over to them still being successful. And if you give him a running back like Le'Veon Bell, oh, that would be nice. I think you give Baker Mayfield a running back like Le'Veon Bell, oh, and that'd you're going to get nice pretty too. much the same thing. Here's the question I want to ask: mm-hmm. Is let's say Le'Veon sits out the first eight games? For because half the season eight games, so let's say he sits out the first nine weeks because of their bye. Sure, 
you give me what you think the wins and losses become if Le'Veon sits out all eight of those games. Because I'll be honest, with Le'Veon, I had this team 10-0 and to start the year. 10-0 and with the team and with the schedule. That may change. I'll let you go first. What's your win-losses if Le'Veon sits out the first eight? Let's see. I would say I would still think they can beat the Browns, even though I think that's a toss-up. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, with Le'Veon Bell, I think that's an upset potential game. The Chiefs, I'm going to lean towards the Chiefs if we're going to buy into this uh, Patrick Mahomes hype. I'm going to lean into that one a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Buccaneers, I don't think so. Ravens, it's a home game, so maybe they'll steal it from me. That's a good defense. But still, that one where I would feel kind of confident on the split, now I'm like, I don't know. Ravens could steal it, and they could sweep it. Uh, Falcons, I like the Falcons. I'm going to give this one to the Falcons. Bengals, no. Um, and then Browns, let's see. Is Browns week seven? or week? That is week eight. Week eight. Uh, then Browns, I'm going to, I don't know. I, maybe I'll let them split it with the Browns because, like I said, I think that first mm-hmm. game could be an upset. But really, I think this team is five and three. So, like I said, I had them 10 and 0 with Le'Veon game one. That that's just how I see the Steelers team, I think is going to be really good this year. Without Le'Veon for the first, I'll say I'll even mm-hmm. go a step further. And let's remember this was, a, this was a 13 and 3 team yeah, last year. I, they were already really good. I'll say this because for our prediction video, Sean has them. This team right now, I have them at 14 and 2. Like that is how good I think the Steelers will be. However, without Le'Veon those first eight, I got him losing to the Browns. I know people are going to be like, Ricky, they're the Browns. This team will come out and shock them. Mm-hmm. If the Steelers don't have a consistent rushing attack, the Browns will make them pay. Well, the and Browns are not that bad well, of a team right now. What the Browns will do in my mind, if you don't have Le'Veon out there to take pressure off, hey, we're just going to let our pass rushers pin those ears back and go right after Big Ben. Make him beat you. And if they're constantly blitzing and you don't have a running running game to kind of take that off, that could be a problem. Chiefs, I'm going to still say the Steelers because Patrick Mahomes is a young, plus it's in Pittsburgh. If that was mm-hmm. an arrowhead, that would be a different situation. I just think those first two games have upset potential. They do. Like The Chiefs, it's them. not like a for sure loss. Mm-hmm. I'm just leaning into the Steelers because it's in Pittsburgh. And if I'm looking at the quarterbacks, veteran Big Ben over sure. sophomore Mahomes, I'm going to go with Big Ben. Then the Buccaneers, they don't have Jameis Winston. They don't have a chance of winning that game. Then the Ravens, I'll give the Steelers the win at home. Then Falcons is a loss. Bengals is a loss. Browns, you'll beat them coming off of your bye. And then the Ravens will beat you. So my 10-0 and 0 to start the year just became what? You take away four of them, they're now 6-4. and four. And overall, they they went from fourteen and two to ten and six, which would drop them. They're no longer, I think, one of the top two. Yeah, they went from being the number one seed in the AFC at fourteen and two to being the fourth seed playing wild card mm-hmm. weekend at ten and six. Funny that you have them at ten and six. I had them. Uh, I mean, I had them kind of debating between eleven and five and ten and six mm-hmm. at the moment where it stands. Yeah. A lot is going to change. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and then that maybe drops them at the worst to like a nine and seven, but I still think ten and six. You know, some of those losses I talked about were still things that I could see happening mm-hmm. even with Le'Veon Bell because, like I said, 
Browns, I just see it as They're upset be potential. This year. Chiefs is another potential upset one. Mm-hmm. The Ravens is just interesting on the split that I think is going to happen. I can see the Bengals coming out because I don't think the Bengals are actually going to be that bad this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to be talking about the Bengals in the near future. Yeah, But I do not think the Bengals are going to be a bad team this year. Now, I do think that Le'Veon Bell, whether he's there and I do think he will be there the whole season, mm-hmm. or if he takes off part of the games, he's got to play at least six games, um, and he's going to lose money if he only plays six, so he's going to be playing games. I definitely kind of feel that with or without him, this 13-3 and team is still going to go out there and win games. They're still going to be in the playoffs. It doesn't matter, mm-hmm. um, but they still have tough competition, and with or without him, that's going to be the case because the Ravens are a good team, the Bengals are better this year. The Browns are, we say it all the time, but mm-hmm. at least on paper, the Browns are a better team this year as they well. They should be a lot better. I'm just, I still think Browns are going to Browns. It's the quarterback situation right it's now. Also, There's a lot of mystery right there. I want to support Hugh Jackson, but let's be honest, the track record's no. not there. And honestly, One if, you, 31. if you can't get wins, some wins this year, I was even listening to a podcast where they said, Five to six wins, or we fire Hugh Jackson this year is what then they were calling for. Then you should have done it at 016. Then you should have done it last year is basically what I'm thinking. This is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. How many games does Le'Veon play this year? I think even if he does sit out half the year, teams are going to want to give him the money next year just because of what kind of a running back he's he got could less mileage on him then. That too. And he's a running back that's under 30, so you give him a four-year contract that would be good enough to, boom, he's 30 at the end of that contract. Let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. What do you think about Le'Veon? Will he sit out? What do you think of him maybe not being a stealer next year? Let us know what you think in that comment section down below. And, Mark, let's now move on into the main meat and potatoes of the podcast. Why, everyone was coming. We had to put that Le'Veon Bell story at the beginning just because it was hot news. But we're continuing our previews. Into the beginning of the season, we are getting Mark closer and closer to actual football. That's right. Back on our TVs. Well, we're like three weeks from the Hall of Fame game. We are very close. Like, this is the part Mm mid-July where I can smell that August and be like, get here. I think a lot. Don't most training camps start next week? I mean, the Bears have already started. Uh, Training camps are one thing, but like actual like preseason games. Oh, for sure. Once preseason games start, it's like I can smell the regular season. Once you give me episode one of Hard Knocks, I'm like, hey, we're it's (laughs) a real thing. Plus, for me, I'm mm-hmm. also on the college side of things. That yeah. starts end of August. So it's, it's up like, very fast. that is like, it just starts steamrolling as soon as we get to August. But we're looking at the AFC South today. If you guys are new to our previews, how we look at things, basically what we do is we go from worst all the way up to first. So the order for the AFC this week, or AFC South, I should say, will be, we will start off with the Texans. Then move on into the Colts, the bottom feeders from last year. Then we'll look at the Titans, and then we'll round everything out with the Jacksonville Jaguars, who were so close to being in the Super Bowl last year. But the first team we're going to look at is the Houston Texans, and this is an interesting team this year because I think this is a team that, one, could be a playoff team this year, like, I see them when healthy could be between eight and eight and ten and six this year. The biggest question for me and for this Houston Texan team is how healthy 
will Deshaun Watson be for this season? It was reported in early June that Texan stars believe that he'll be ready for training camp. He did an interview during Super Bowl week with the Dan Patrick show where I don't know if it was planned this way, but he had his jeans had like an open hole over the knee to where you could see the scar. Oh, I'm sure it was planned. Dan Patrick asked him about it. And I want to ask you, what do you think is going to be the deal with Deshaun Watson this year coming off of that ACL injury? It's not an injury that's a death sentence for guys anymore, but this is a team that Mm -hmm. needs him to be healthy if they want to be successful this year. Yeah, it's... The the thing that it's not a death sentence for sure, but it is not his first injury. The so second. that's that's rough in that case. I expect Deshaun Watson to be back week one. I, I don't doubt that at all. I think they're going to go easy on him in the preseason because mm-hmm. nobody's doubting that Deshaun Watson is the number one quarterback here. He's QB one without a doubt. They're going to have him out there. Uh, they're going to be expecting him to just kind of go out there and sling it really. But the, the fear that I have for Deshaun Watson comes down to this, and the reason why I half-jokingly said it to you of, you know, who's going to be injured again, Deshaun Watson, Mm -hmm. is because his offensive line is terrible. It is bad. Right now, according to rlads.com, they have the starting offensive line going from left to right being Julian Davenport, um, Zach Fulton, Nick Martin in the middle, um, Sunil Calamente, and then at right tackle, you've got Sean Trell Henderson. That's your offensive line right now. Yeah. Martinez Rankin is listed as the backup left tackle at the moment. I mean, and, and without a doubt, it, it's not like they went out there and said, we have a bad offensive line. Mm-hmm. We're not going to fix it. No, they definitely went out and grabbed some stuff. But, you know, with Martinez Rankins, of course, having that, that's a that's an actual draft pick being spent. Mm-hmm. Um, and they didn't have a ton of draft picks to spend. So, I mean, it's not like they could go out there and just fix the offensive mm-hmm. line. The offensive line is not something that you can fix in one offseason. Henderson, um, Kelamente, and Fulton all were signed this offseason from Buffalo, New Orleans, and KC. The problem for when you look at a lot of these guys is they weren't really people that— They're not big marquee names. It's not even that they're not big marquee names. They're just not very good Mm -hmm. either. I mean, you know, and when you already had Nick Martin last year for the Texans, took a, you know, just kind of people were looking at him thinking, what the hell happened? Mm Mm-hmm. Now, he could bounce back for sure, and their offensive line last year had injury issues, but it's just I do not feel confident that my, you know, prize rookie quarter, or well, he's a sophomore now, prize sophomore quarterback Mm -hmm. is going to be healthy when this is the offensive line I'm putting in front of him. No, and that's exactly, like, for me, the biggest thing with Houston is can they stay healthy? Because, like, I look at the offense and it goes, all right, the offensive line to me might not be one of the strengths of this team, but I look at the rest of the offense. They have, to me, one of the better, I'm going to say the best young quarterback right now, like out of the sophomores and stuff. I put him even ahead of Patrick Mahomes right now. Mahomes has played like one game. Exactly. Like Deshaun Watson, this Texan team, the Browns wouldn't have had the fourth overall pick if he did if he did not get injured. Like this team would have been a lot. I, I don't want to say like a lot better. I don't know if they make the playoffs. I don't know. Well, they could because t- the Titans were only nine and seven last year. 
But I think this team is well above maybe eight and eight net last year. For sure. Not four and twelve where they were because you look at the rest of this team, wide receivers, they still got Will Fuller, they still got DeAndre Hopkins, still got um Braxton Miller out there, you still got Lamar Miller and Deonta Foreman in the backfield. The defense is just as big of a question as the offense with injuries too, because JJ Watt always gets injured, and you've got guys like you know, um, Winton, Winton uh, Merciless out there, and you've got Jadavion Clowney. And the big thing that we haven't talked about with the defense yet, and I'll bring it up, the addition of the Honey Badger. I know yeah. the Honey Badger, I'm going to say, ain't what he used to be when he came into the league, but that should be a big add for the Texan defense. Mm-hmm. Well, it's in certainly going to help you out when you have one of the best pass rushes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's going to make you deadly right there. Uh, so, you know, getting that pressure on quarterbacks is going to make mistakes happen, and the Honey Badger capitalizes on mistakes. Because the Honey Badgers don't give a shit. Exactly. You know, but the the thing that the thing that I got to say with the Houston Texans, mm-hmm. if you just show me the rosters of teams, uh, with the exception of, like I said, the offensive line, if I can ignore the offensive line and I am just looking at rosters, I have no knowledge of injury history, mm-hmm. I'm going to say... Yeah, the Houston Texans are probably in the AFC Championship game. That this roster you're saying is, last year? Or no, no, this I'm year? saying right now. Okay. If I do not know anything about injuries mm-hmm. and I am ignoring the offensive line, this team probably gets to the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. This roster is that good. Deshaun Watson showed that he can be an incredible gunslinger. I'm using gunslinger on purpose, and we'll get to it. They have two very good uh wide receivers on both ends that they can have. Lamar Miller is a fantastic running back. This defense has an amazing pass rush. They've got, you know, they, they've got certain parts of the secondary that maybe could be improved a little bit, but they mm-hmm. obviously went out and got the honey badger for a reason yeah. to improve that. But when you have that good of a pass rush, like I said, it's going to help you capitalize on some mistakes because you're forcing quarterbacks to throw it too fast. And the flip side is, the AFC is not that strong of a conference. Well, You're really competing with three or four teams. And let's put it this way, because I think it was the Texans I made the joke about last year. Mm-hmm. If Deshaun Watson was healthy, they were going to finish 8-8 eight and eight because the first six games, they were loss-win, 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 win. Yeah. And they were kind of alternating 3-3 three and three after six. The thing I don't like about this Houston team has nothing to do with the personnel. It has everything to do with the schedule because this is a year for me with Houston that if you look at their schedule, the first half of it, I'll say not even the first half, the first 10 games of it are like, wow, that's a losing record. Then I look from week 11 on and I go, huh, that's a really winnable record. Like this is a team, even with Deshaun Watson, that, I mean, you could say that like the Titans, the Colts, the division's going to be interesting, even the Jaguars, because of how are you going to play? Are you going to split with the Jaguars? Are they going to take both games? The Colts, we're going to get into them. How do they look with Andrew Luck coming back? The Titans, what are they going to be like? They lose DeMarco Murray to retirement. They've got a new head coach coming in. But there's a possibility to me that this Texan team could go the first five games at New England, at Tennessee, at New York, or home against New York, at Indy, and then home against Dallas, could go 0-5 to start the year, kind of stumble into their Week 10 bye 
with maybe a couple wins, but then after that bye, only lose two games the rest of the way. I still think, like I said, with ignoring injuries mm-hmm. and the weak spot of the offensive line, if I was just going to say that, I think that this is probably the second best team in the AFC. Hmm. Um, now, like I said, that is ignoring something that is a big issue. Injuries. Injuries has been plaguing this team for about three years now. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, this offensive line, I hate to harp on it, but that is going to kill the longevity per- potentially of your quarterback who's already had two big injuries Mm -hmm. uh, that are serious injuries for a quarterback who has a lot of mobility. The other thing about him, I've said that he's a gunslinger a few times. He likes to sling it. He Mm -hmm. likes to throw the ball. He was averaging, you know, a little bit of tiny amount over one interception a game. Mm -hmm. Not terrible, but when you have a gunslinger type of guy, I mean, he had a game where he had three interceptions in it. When you have that bad of an offensive line, you're that's gonna have only to gonna push get the ball worse. Downfield. Yeah, it's only gonna get worse. You're gonna have guys getting in your face immediately, and you're gonna be pressured to make decisions. Now, Deshaun Watson's a very intelligent quarterback. He is not the kind of guy who just says double coverage, no triple coverage. Yeah, I'm gonna sling it out there. And but I mean, still, you're gonna be making bad mistakes potentially because you're just being pressured. Teams know that. He's going to be facing some really, really good defensive this year with teams like the Jaguars, mm-hmm. the Browns. He's going to be facing the Eagles. He's going to face the Broncos. The Patriots defense, they don't have their Here, kind of mastermind anymore, but they should the, still be here. Here's good. the thing I'm going to say to kind of combat that is I know the Jacksonville game, mm-hmm. he didn't play the entire game, but that was still a game where even though they lost and they only scored seven points— he was the reason they scored seven points and only had one touchdown, one INT. Really, the biggest factor is he was sacked four times. Well, but really, what, you can almost put some sacks mm, on the offensive line. Sure. The the games to me that were the worst, just by looking at touchdown to INT, the Patriots, where he went two touchdowns to two INTs, yep. still a flat one for one. Other than that, it was the Seahawks game he got yeah. injured in that he had four touchdowns, three INTs. You look, he played the Browns, mm-hmm. three touchdowns, only one INT. That defense, yeah, it got like Demarius Randall wasn't there last year, mm-hmm. but that defense was still sure. good on paper last year, and he went three. And oh, I one. agree with you, but we're all Kansas City was a good mm-hmm. defense. He went five and zero oh yep. in that game. It just but Kansas did- City had a rough. Rough kind of middle. Of I the believe season. at that point they they didn't have Eric Berry at that point, which was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a huge injury for but them last year. I think what the year. big point for me with Deshaun Watson mm-hmm. is the fact that, and I'm not saying he's going to go out there and throw 25 interceptions. You're saying inconsistency. One game it's oh it's this, the other game it's five. No, I'm just saying that you're putting your quarterback in a bad situation. Mm-hmm. He's a gunslinger. I know he's going to throw interceptions, mm-hmm. but I also know he's going to probably throw more touchdowns. So I'm not upset about him throwing. It's like Brett Favre. I'm not worried about him, you know, making a dumb mistake because the next drive he's going to make up for it. Force the ball into a needle hole. Yeah, because yeah, he might not get it this time, but the next three times he's probably going to get it. I mean, I'm not worried about nineteen touchdowns to eight ints and six. Exactly, I'm not worried about that. What I am worried about is people have tape, Mm -hmm. so that changes things a little bit. This is coming off of an injury. Mm -hmm. How is his confidence going to be? When he actually is facing another team, this offensive line will get him hit for mm-hmm. sure. And teams know, you hate to say things like this, but teams know, hey, this guy's got a weak knee. 
let's make sure we hit him. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just worried about that for Deshaun Watson. And like I said, I'm not expecting him to go out there and lead the league in interceptions. I'm just saying that it's going to be the the game plan for the defenses to get the pressure on mm-hmm. him because he will give us chances to get takeaways. To me, the most important, like, with it, if everyone stays healthy, the mm-hmm. most important, I keep looking at the schedule. And like I told you before we started recording today's podcast, I'm kind of in the mode right now where I've gone through my season predictions. Yeah. I'm not ready to be like Cow and Cowherd yet and be like, these are my season predictions for this year. We'll get to that after we finish the previews. Mm-hmm. We'll do our prediction podcast. Which is funny because our final record. I'm the one who's down on the Texans, but if we gave our two records, Texans fans would like me better. Exactly. Probably. I'll be honest. Mm. My final outlook for the Texans this year is my window is 8-8 eight eight to 10-6, and six, ideally. Injuries yeah. could happen, which could make them a worse team. But right now, how I have it is they're 8-8, eight eight, probably missing the playoffs. Either missing the playoffs or maybe just squeaking in, depending on tiebreakers. But I keep looking at the schedule, and to me, the most important part of this schedule is going to be the first five games. Because New England... I'll be honest. I don't think they win that. They didn't win it last year. I don't think they win that game this no, year. No, that's going to be tough. the The only two games in the top in the first five that I could see them winning that right now I have them as losses are the Titans and the Colts. I only did that right now because I feel like this Texan team at the worst splits the division and goes three and three in the division. But then they play two teams from the NFC East where the Cowboys should be improved this year. Having Zeke back, not having to worry about any suspension, having the best offensive line in football, that's going to be a tough game. Yeah, it's in Houston, but still a tough game. Let's be honest. The Cowboys are so close to Houston, it's almost like a home game for them too. And the Giants should be improved this year. Getting Saquon Barkley, adding in, getting rid of McAdoo, getting a head coach that they hope is going to be competent and actually work with Eli Mm -hmm. to make sure that offense does good things, getting OBJ back from injury. I just, I have a hard time looking at this first five. And even if they go two and five in the first five, this could be like, that's where my eight and eight, 10 and six runs in. If they go 0 and five to start, then we're looking more eight and eight. If they go 10 and six, it's because they squeaked out some wins in these first five. I just feel like, yeah, the the Patriots, I'm going to, Give it to the Patriots, but mm-hmm. you're playing the Titans team, which I think it's a home. Well, it is a home game for the Titans, but I think yeah. that the Titans can beat you in this one just because of the fact that it's on the road. Well, it's a home game for them, and the Titans are going to be a much better team this year than they were mm-hmm. last year uh, because they were really handcuffed coaching wise. Mm-hmm. But with that being said, it's a new coach where they're going to have some adjustment going on there. It's a new offense they're going to have. There's adjustment right there, and. Do Bill Belichick coaches really turn out into much of anything? More often than not, they don't. Uh, Then we go on to the Giants, also a new coach. There's going to be adjustments there. It's not going to be an instant thing, especially going from uh, Ben McAdoo's let's throw the ball all over everybody to Pat Shermer's we're going to be very smart and methodical with the ball Mm -hmm. this time. Uh, And also the last time Pat Shermer had an opportunity to be a head coach, it went horribly. Yeah. So I, I think that saying that the... Titans and Giants are more likely losses. I'm not convinced on that one. I think that they're they probably in the first five games are a three and two team. 
Um, but then they get to go on to play the Bills. They're going to have to play the Jaguars, which is rough, but they're going to play the Dolphins again. They get these kind of, I don't want to call them gaming games, but they get these games that are, mm-hmm. they're going to be the favored team the mixed one, in there enough. And the one thing I am going to say to defend Pat Shermer is you make the kind of backhanded comp, like the backhanded yeah, comment it was not of, good. oh, it didn't go well the first time. Let's let's see you go back to 2011. You be the head coach of the Browns and win more than four games. I think that if you're the a Browns head coach, not good. <laughs> if you're a head coach, this is going back to the old baseball scouts. Mm-hmm. If you're a if you're a head coaching candidate and you took a job in Cleveland, I'm saying, well, he makes bad decisions. We know that. <laughs> One of my favorite. You're watch, thinking of Moneyball. Yeah, watch That's... Moneyball. He's got an ugly girlfriend. He's got bad eyes. Oh man, I I remember. Yeah, I the, love that quote. It's basically, oh, it's Coach of the Browns makes bad decisions. But yeah. the other thing about this schedule I can't help but think of, mm-hmm. going back to the injuries, and I'm sorry, Texan fans, if it feels like we're harping on it. So right now, as I'm flipping wins and losses, I have this team 8-8. Eight and eight. Could flip some, make them 10-6, and six, but right now 8-8. Eight and eight. If they get injured again, like J.J. Watt's injured, if Deshaun Watson gets injured— this second half of the schedule that right now I only have them losing two games from week 11 on, if key injuries happen, they lose to the Titans. They lose to the Browns. They lose to the Colts. Yeah, I mean, their quarterback is going to be Brandon Whedon. And it's it's funny that if injuries plague this team again, mm-hmm. this second half of the year that I said, oh, it looks so winnable for them, it makes them, I just listed off four games, makes them a 4-12 and 12 team again. Like that to me, the only way the Texans finish with a similar record that they did last year is if they're decimated by injuries like they were last year. Which, like you said, we don't want to harp on it, but that's been the team's MO it's been for the, the last Achilles heel. few years. You know, you are a team that gets injured. You're one of the most injured mm-hmm. teams every year. And until there's some you know things to change it, I mean... I'm a Chicago Bears fan. I mm-hmm. understand it. Every year, every player who you had hope in gets hurt. Yours is, I'll be honest, yours is because of your the field. The damn turf. It's that field. Like, yeah. By the end of the year, it's like, I don't want to play there. I'm no, going to get injured. We The Chicago Bears week one had their number one and number two wide receiver both True. get injured. It doesn't matter what week it is. It's just, it's just, it's that damn, it's just the way it is. And you say turf, isn't it still natural it's, grass? It's actual grass. That's what yeah. I was going to say. You say turf, it's natural grass yeah, It's real. It's the real thing. I was like, we still have that natural grass. Grass up here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. That nice Kentucky bluegrass. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, With those divots. It's just, yeah, it doesn't matter. It happens. And, and that's then, the hard thing. Because you get a T-Swift concert that rolls through and those uh, those supports, they just put divots right there. They in just the got to stop playing in Soldier Field and just play at Wrigley. That's the only thing we need. I mean, at that point in the year, the season's, well, the season's almost over. It depends on mm-hmm. October is usually when the season Ends for us, a little World Series. There's literally an amphitheater, mm-hmm. like so close, not even half a mile away. No, yeah. it's like a not even a quarter of a mile. But if I'm Ed Sheeran, I can sell more tickets at Soldier Field than I can at the Dinky Amphitheater. It's an amphitheater. It's not that dinky. When you play Compared at a, to Soldier when you Field, play at a man, stadium, there's a prestige you got half to the it. stuff closed there's off. A, there's a prestige oh, to yeah, it. Oh, yeah, for sure. But they need the city of Chicago needs to stop letting people play there. Any final thoughts on the Texans before we move on into the Colts? The Texans, for me, are the boom and bust, boom or bust team Okay. purely based on injury 
and how Deshaun Watson comes back. Yeah, injury, 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 injury. Have I said injury enough? That's going to be the storyline for the Texans. Can they stay healthy? Because if they stay healthy, 8-8, could see them more on into that 10-6, and and they could be a playoff team if they get to that 10-6 and mark. But this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below. In the comment section, what do you think of the Texans this year? Will they stay healthy? And what do you think, Texan fans, of that schedule? Am I harping too much on those first five games? Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. And speaking about injured quarterbacks, though, Mark, I mean, we're looking we're looking at Deshaun Watson. Let's just move on into the, the next ultimate logical <laughs> point injured of quarterback. injured quarterbacks. Andrew Luck, we're expecting him to be back this year, which I will be honest, if he is back and at least about 75%, I would say, I this team 8-8, eight eight, just with it. Like, with Andrew Luck, they become such a better team than they were last year. I know they got Jacoby Brissett behind them, but the thing I want to ask you first, I'll let you pick yeah. which one you want to start with. Okay. Do you want to start talking about Andrew Luck and what we can expect from him coming off the injury or how this team could it look different under Frank Reich coming over from the Philadelphia Eagles? Well, I think let's let's start with Andrew Luck because okay. then we can expand out to the entire offense Perfect. and the rest of the team. Um, so with Andrew Luck, you know, he, he looks like he's fine. He looks like he's healthy. He looks like life's going to be good. Um, but until we really see him out there mm-hmm. in his pads throwing the ball, you still have that little bit of doubt in your mind of, is he actually going to come back? Because I drafted him in fantasy football last year. Mm-hmm. I thought he was going to be back for sure last year at some point. You know, enough to maybe squeeze me into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But it's one of these things here where it's just going to be a rough situation. And, you know, he has set out long enough to where, fortunately for him, the offensive line is quite a bit better. You know, I mean, you got to worry about Ryan Kelly, Matt Slauson, who's okay. Um, but besides that, Quentin Nelson, huge upgrade. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got that amazing piece right there. Uh, now, you did lose Frank Gore, which I think is going to be an unfortunate part because I don't really know where that running back is. I don't. Right now, like right now, the depth chart I'm looking at lists uh, Marlon Mack as the starter, but it's probably going to be a running back by committee. You got Mack. Then you got um, Wilkins and Hines are both drafted. And also got to give some love to former fighting Illini, Josh Ferguson, who's also there, Christine Michael and Robert Turbin, Mm -hmm. who former uh, Seahawks are on that running back committee right now as well. It's probably going to be a running back committee behind him. But, I mean, offensively, this team, we're not expecting, like, oh, it's not going to be a ground and pound. It's no, it's going to be Andrew Locke. Yeah. Throwing it to his wide receivers, where he's still Throw got T.Y. T.Y. all day. He's got T.Y. out there. They they bring in Ryan Grant from the Redskins, which I always go back to the joke of when Ryan Grant failed his physical with the Ravens. All Ravens fans together said, who's Ryan Grant? Mm. Who, who, who's that again? Yeah. Um, they pick up Deion Kane in the draft, where I'm high on him. Uh, Clemson guy, I don't think he... Becomes like the third option, but I hope he does good well, things. Uh, he we see. might because there's not that many options here. My whole thing is I wonder if there will be enough weapons for Andrew Luck to do anything this year 
And I look at the defense, and this was a defense that was not really good last year. The only defenses that allowed more yards than them last year were the Giants and Tampa Bay, who they were also top 15 picks in the draft as well. I mean, I look at this team, and I mean, if Andrew Luck wills it, they're, to me, an 8-8 eight and eight team down the road. That's the best they're going to be. But I would not be surprised if this team kind of stumbles into a 5-11, and 6-10 season because, to me, the, the question with the Colts this year is how far can Andrew Luck drag this team through this year? Yeah, and it's, it's interesting because you really look at last year and you look at this team and you're like, wow, this is one of the worst teams Without a doubt, they couldn't mm-hmm. pass the ball. They were okay running the ball, but below middle, uh, below the middle of the pack, they didn't score touchdowns and they gave up a lot of touchdowns. So they were pretty much at the bottom for most everything, uh, except the running game, which they were just below average. Mm-hmm. Now there are tons of yeah, but they didn't have their number one, you know, quarterback out there. Uh, they got a coach that got fired and should have gotten fired mm-hmm. previously. Um, you know, they don't have a good defense. They've never had a good defense. The offensive line was still in a, a work in progress. You know, there's just so many things to this puzzle. They had to trade for a quarterback because their quarterback situation was so bad without Andrew Luck to where this is just one of those times where, what do we say, Ricky? Last year, throw it out. Nothing mm-hmm. matters. It's all brand new. Well, it's br- like you're taking the whiteboard and basically not just erasing everything. You're taking that nice little paper towel with the water and you're just washing that whiteboard completely clean. So there is no remnants of last year's marker on that whiteboard. Exactly. But the the problem for the Colts are that their win-loss is mm-hmm. completely dependent on Andrew Luck being back. Exactly. You need him back because, like I said— Offensive line, it's better. Mm-hmm. It's the best it's been in a long time. You've got T.Y. Hilton still. I don't. I'm not a huge Eric Ebron fan, really. Uh, and I, I wonder about besides T.Y. Hilton, really, where the rest of these options are. I mean, Eric Ebron will be all right for like he'll be all right for them, is what I want to say. He's not going to be Andy anything. Needs somebody. Who's he's gonna not going to be, be anything guy. spectacular, yeah. but he could be a reliable option, a safety. I think if anything. Eric Ebron is the second, and Jack Doyle becomes the safety blanket for Andrew Luck and this team. Yeah, I mean, that's probably the thing that they really need to mm-hmm. have happen, but I don't think there's that a ton of separation between Doyle and Ebron here. Mm-hmm. And it's a, time, it's a kind of offense where they don't have great— uh, T.Y. Hilton is, is great, but besides him, they don't have great other options. They don't really have a running back out there. So they're going to need, and because they pass the ball so much, they need quality guys out there catching the ball. And like that's to me where like the question is how many like for me, how many games is this team gonna win? Because right now I have them at eight and eight, but I'm looking at this schedule going the beginning of the schedule is interesting. Because, like, the Bengals could be winnable, but I could see the Bengals winning that game. And then you get two a- two NFC East road games right off the bat. You get Alex Smith and that Redskin team that's not a bad team no, they're fine. out there in Washington. And then you get the defending Super Bowl mm-hmm. champions. Reich returns home to Philadelphia where he was last year. 
You get the Texans week four. If they're healthy, that could be a close game. And then you get the Patriots week five. So, I mean, kind of like what I was saying with the Texans could be true with the Colts where if they go 0-5 to start the season, even with Andrew Luck, I'm not surprised. I wouldn't put my money on that because, I mean, the Bengals game could go either way. But, I Mm -hmm. mean, even, like, to me, even with their second half, it's like, yeah, there's winnable games against, like, the Titans and the Dolphins, but then they end the year, they play the Jaguars, the Texans, the Cowboys, and the Giants. That is a four-game stretch that I could see them 2-2 two and two at best, maybe 3-1, and one, but I wouldn't be surprised if they go 1-3 and three or even 0-4 oh in that stretch. I mean, with with Andrew Luck, things change because mm-hmm. he, he can will this team to win games. But without Andrew Luck... This team's going to be lucky to win one or two games going mm-hmm. into the bye week at week nine. Yeah. With Andrew Luck, there I still think that the Eagles is going to be really tough. The Patriots are going to be really tough. I think that the Texans will be tough. Mm-hmm. The Redskins are difficult. But the Bengals, there's a game where they can win. The Colts, the Bills, those are games they can win. They can compete with the Redskins as well. You mean the well. Jets and the Bills? Jets and the Bills. You said the Colts and the Bills. Yeah, the why. Colts. Well, they the Colts the, can beat the Colts. They play themselves. They beat themselves. You know, <laughs> they, uh, they, they didn't... The other team didn't win. The Colts just really beat themselves. But in this the one. the worst thing for the Colts is then mm-hmm. you know, especially if Andrew Luck doesn't start Week One, it mm-hmm. takes him a little bit, or if he's just a slow start coming out of that bye week. You still got to play the Jaguars twice. You're still going to play the Titans. You're going to play the Cowboys and the Giants, who you were saying before are Im- going to be improved this yeah. year. The only one that's kind of an easier one that you have is the Dolphins, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people out there who think that the Dolphins are going to be a better team this year. I would say the Titans in Indy, too. I would give the Colts a win against the Titans in Indy. With Andrew Luck, for sure. Yeah, without Andrew Luck, it's like, without Andrew Luck, Mm -hmm. the only teams in the first, what, eight games that I could see them beating are the Jets and the Bills, and I wouldn't even be surprised if they lost to the Bills. But it's going to be so dependent on this. I'll say the Jets, because the Bills quarterback situation I don't like as much as the the Jets. Yeah, it's so dependent on this new offense, which... Mm -hmm. With a uh, new coach in Frank Reich and having him from the Philadelphia Eagles, former Super Bowl champions, that is going to be the kind of thing where we really need to see once again what is the answer to the question? Mm-hmm. Who is it that really turned in okay above average uh, rookie season for was Carson Wentz into or was amazing and took a backup quarterback mm-hmm. almost out of the NFL? And made him into a Super Bowl MVP. There what are three you're saying people is, that, was that it could have been Peterson, Reich, or DeFilippo. Who are we giving the credit? Exactly. To? There are three people who that could have been, and mm-hmm. they all went in different directions. Uh, so we're going to find out, hopefully, the answer to that question. But the problem is, I think for right now, is I think it's going to be a delayed response for mm-hmm. it because for uh, for Reich this year, it doesn't really matter. Even if Andrew Luck comes back and wills them to win eight games, doesn't matter. You're not going to the playoffs. There's you still don't have enough I don't pieces know. I'm yet. not going to say they don't make the playoffs because to me, how I'm looking at it is right now I have four teams in my middle of the pack. And only one of these teams we have yet to look at on a preview. The four in no particular order, Colts, Texans, a healthy Texan team, um, Chiefs, and Ravens. Those are right now all the teams I have around 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven right there in the middle. It's to me out of those four teams... Who is going to step up? Who's the one that's going to win a game or two to position themselves 
for that sixth playoff spot in the AFC. Because, like, I could see multiple teams tying at 8-8 eight and eight and it coming down to a tiebreaker, or I could see any of these. The Colts getting a win here or there that they shouldn't have. The Texans, the Ravens, mm-hmm. the Chiefs kind of winning one or two to then give them that position of, all right, we're 9-7 and seven while you guys are 8-8. Eight and eight. We're now in that sixth spot. You guys are sitting out of the playoffs. Yeah, well, I think the Colts know that they are not a we're striking right now kind of team. Mm. You know, you look at what they do. They trade back to get more picks. They get mm-hmm. Quentin Nelson, who is just a secure block. Yeah. You know, they get got they get some nice things. What I like too with getting the off our more offensive line uh, in Smith and going on the defensive side mm-hmm. and you know getting a guy like Leonard hitting the defensive end position twice in the second round. They did a lot to really kind of shore up this team, not for an immediate impact, but coming up soon. Mm -hmm. And Reich is taking this idea of, hey, I know that this team has been going through a rebuild. Mm -hmm. That's okay. I know our quarterback is injured. I don't even need him to play next year all 16 games. I do want him to come back at some point, but I am okay with this team not being established yet because it's not our time. We're going to get there, but it's not our time yet. The thing that I'm and I'm typing to look at is it's been so long since Andrew Luck has started. I just wanted to look up really quick so I don't misspeak here. Um yeah, so the last two seasons with Andrew Luck 2017 not being counted because he didn't play all that year and even 2015 he only played seven games, the last two years that you had Andrew Luck for some games, you were eight and eight. The last year that you made the playoffs was the 20, like the last full 16 game season, the three full 16 game seasons you've had with Andrew Luck, all 11 and five, all have gone to the playoffs. One of those was a championship, an AFC game in 2014 where you lost to the Patriots. Am I saying that with an Andrew Luck playing 16 games, this team goes 11 and 5? No. But this year with this team, if Andrew Luck plays all 16 games, I could see them being again, like I said, 8 and 8 and him dragging this team. It's kind of like I almost want to compare I almost want to compare the Colts this year to the Cleveland think of the Cleveland Cavaliers in the NBA from this last season without the expectation of a finals mm-hmm. where Andrew Luck much like LeBron James will be gr- good enough and great enough to drag this Colts team into a 6 seed well plus i mean really that that conference is weak as well the eastern conference is pretty weak in the NBA exactly where Yes, the AFC conference is the weaker Which of the, the eight, two. I was going to say it is weaker, but I don't think eight and eight is good enough to get you in. This mm-hmm. is this is not a, and I know this has been a while since this, this is not Sam Bradford mm-hmm. Rams getting in, and everyone's saying really I'll or be, the Seahawks with that Marshawn Lynch, you know, the beast mode where everyone said there's no reason for this team to even be here just to make you happy. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, like, looking at my wins and losses, there's two games that can flip sure. with Andrew Luck, and it'll make them 10-6. and six. Bengals week one, Raiders week Well, eight. if they're a 10-6 and six team, yeah, sure, they can get in. Like, they are, to me, like, healthy with Andrew Luck playing all 16. 
their win-loss, like, them and the Texans, to me, are almost the same. Like, my window is, like, yeah, I could see them 7-9, and 8-8. and 10-6 and six is probably the best I can see them mm-hmm. this year. And that's, like, to me, for the Colts, 10-6 and six is, like, if... Mo- like if the Patriots went sixteen and zero, the like hard it is thing, a perfect year for them if they yeah. go ten and six. The hard thing for the for the Colts is just everyone's going under the assumption that Andrew Luck's going to come back and mm-hmm. be rookie Andrew Luck, or you know be that two thousand fourteen mm-hmm. Andrew Luck, forty touchdowns, sixteen interceptions. Mm-hmm. Everyone's expecting that's what he's going to be. He could come back and be a guy who's throwing twenty touchdowns and eighteen interceptions. You know, and only be throwing for about 3,500 yards because he is just not completely ready yet. And even if he is completely ready yet, it's been a long time since he's played. Mm -hmm. It's going to take some time at really adjusting and getting back into it. It could be a slow start. Before I say what I was going to say, I want to ask you this because I just looked at the preseason Mm -hmm. and I find it. I don't remember this ever happening. Do you remember in your lifetime— a team playing a team week four of the preseason and then opening with that same team week one? I don't. Because I'm sure Col- it's happened. Because the Colts are at Cincinnati week four of the preseason and then host them week one of the regular season. Yeah, I feel like that's a silly thing to do. I, I'm sure it's happened in our mm-hmm. lifetime uh, in the NFL history of the preseason, too. I'm, you know it's happened, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's that's a little ridiculous. What I was going to say, though, is the one Colt preseason game I'm circling for I have to watch this game. I have to see this game in one way or another. August 25th, week three of the preseason. It's the Niners and the Colts in Indianapolis. Because week three, you know, that's going to be the week where, all right, we're giving the starters the most snaps that they've ever seen in order to get them ready for the regular season And to me, that is going to be an interesting game to watch because we're finally going to see, yeah, we'll see Andrew Luck for like a series against Seattle and Baltimore, but we're finally going to see our best look at Andrew Luck and what we can expect for him this season. But also on the other side, you're going to get hype with Jimmy Garoppolo, and that to me is going to be a preseason game where it's like, all right, we're going to get the best look at an an up-and-coming quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo, Mm -hmm. and then what we can expect from the injured quarterback trying to come back to what he once was. But the reason why I'm going to say make sure you you circle it in pencil so you can erase it is Is there's no guarantee Andrew Luck's going to play. If I'm the Colts, I'm saying... I don't know that I, I don't know if I wanted to play at all. I don't even know if he's going to be ready to play in the preseason. He still mm-hmm. hasn't thrown a. I mean, as far as I'm aware, he still hasn't thrown a normal NFL size football. Uh, someone still, can check that on me. He's still throwing that miniature football, the the little Nerf ball. Yeah, I think he's still throwing that thing. Um, but you know, they expect him to be ready for training camp and be out there throwing footballs and being completely healthy. But who's to say that he doesn't get out there and yeah, he's ready, but. Uh, it just doesn't feel right again. You know, let's just let's just give mm-hmm. it a moment because Andrew Luck blames being too eager to come back for his continued uh, absence now. So I think they're going to take it very carefully. If things just aren't feeling right, they're not going to force it. So you know, he might not even be ready. I do fully believe that he's going to play the majority of the games this season, but he might kind of ease into some stuff and. If things aren't feeling great week one, week two, he might not play. 
The last big update I'm kind of seeing, and this is from early June, is that the Colts will limit um, his workload in training camp. So training camp for sure, he's going to get his workload kind of limited, which is smart because you're not going to overdo it in, I'm going to say, useless training camp where just because he's playing all of training camp, you're working him really hard, doesn't affect your wins and losses. Mm-hmm. He is going to be the linchpin of this year, though, for the Colts. And he is going to make this team go. If he's not there, I could see this team being a 4-12 and team again. If he is there, they're an 8-8 eight and eight team right now in my mind, but I wouldn't be surprised with a really good year if they are 10-6. and six. Any final thoughts on the Colts before we move on into the Titans? Uh, to me, really, the thing that summarizes the Colts for me is just that it's a huge mystery, and we're going to find out a lot as soon as we actually see Andrew Luck playing against another team. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. What do you expect from the Colts this year? Will Andrew Luck be healthy, play all 16, and how far can he bring this Colts team? Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section. And, Mark, now we move on into the Tennessee Titans the whole reason, I'm going to be honest, it's the whole reason why I wore this shirt. Why I wore my Attack on Titan shirt, because it says Titans, and we're talking about the Titans in this preview. We finally get to Tennessee. Before we hit the record button, it's like you just said, we finally get to a playoff team in this preview. That's right. The next two teams we'll be looking at our playoff teams. And the first thing I want to ask with the Titans is basically this. They have a new head coach coming in in Mike Vrabel. They bring in new offensive coordinator who was the quarterback coach with the Rams under McVay and Matt LaFleur. What should we expect from this Titan team who was already a playoff team last year with these coaching changes? And what can we expect from Marcus Mariota with the LaFleur offense? Well, I think that here's the thing for the Tennessee Titans. A lot of people... Got really hyped up on the Titans last year uh, and thought that they're finally going to do it. Mm-hmm. This is when they're going to make this move. You know, Marcus Mariota is going to lead this team into success. And they've got a young team put together, but we just were maybe a year too early. Mm-hmm. And part of that is awful job uh, as far as coaching. It was not done well. It was very predictable. It was very obvious. It was very slow moving. Nothing was going well for it. Mm-hmm. So... With that adjustment, sure, it's going to be there. But you look at some of these teams, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, you look at some of these young studs out there, like obviously Mariota, Derrick Henry, uh, Corey Davis, who are, you know, those two guys, Derrick Henry, Corey Davis, even Mariota putting them in there. Young guys who just kind of haven't really gotten to that full potential just yet. They have more left in them. And I think that I'm not 100% sure I'm Mike Vrabel. Um, but he's going to be a defensive-focused guy, I think. Mm-hmm. So you have a good offensive coordinator who's really going to help lead the way forward for this and get the most out of everybody. I think this is finally that year where you see these young, uh, this young roster, these young players actually hitting that stride, reaching forward, and kind of giving us what we expect out of them. Now, one of the things that... Titan fans are going to say, guys, guys, you got to talk about DeMarco Murray um, announcing his retirement. We lost DeMarco Murray. I, Me personally, I don't think it's going to be a huge loss 
for the Tennessee Titans. I know that when I asked um, Sean about it, because um, it happened one of the nights we were recording the fast break, he was like, yeah, who cares? doesn't matter. Derrick Henry is a starting running back anyways. Like He's like, DeMarco Murray ain't what he used to be when he was with Dallas. And another reason why I'm kind of in that camp that the DeMarco Murray retirement doesn't hurt that much you sign Deion Lewis in the offseason. You go ahead and you draft a guy, Wadley, out of Iowa, who I think is going to be a really good running back at the next level. Might not be your starting running back, but he can help you out in certain run situations and be a solid contributor to your rushing attack. Another interesting pickup that they had, you talked about defense, interesting pickup on the defensive side of the ball They bring in another former New England Patriot. They bring in Malcolm Butler to be cornerback on the other side of the football. And, like, I look at this team and what they kind of have. They have a good mix to me of young and old players. They're veterans. Like, they have Logan Ryan on that defense. They've got um, Cyphren, who used to be with Jacksonville. You get Malcolm Butler, who used to be with New England. You get Deion Lewis, who used to be with New England. But you have those young players. Marcus Mariota, still young. Derrick Henry, still young. Corey Davis, still young. You bring in a veteran wide receiver um, in free agency. You didn't draft him. It was free agency in 2016 with Rashard Matthews. There's a good mix here. My whole question is, this was a team... That was 9-7 and seven last year, so they weren't blowing the doors off of anything. And to me, I feel like this team, the only reason I have them taking a minor step back and not getting to nine wins this year is because of that new coaching staff putting in and implementing their system this year. I don't know if they're going to translate to wins right away with the Vrabel regime in Tennessee. The biggest concern for me coaching wise is the fact that those Bill Belichick type of coaches, you know, those New mm-hmm. England coaches, they just don't work when they leave. Mm-hmm. And when, you know, having them in these head coaching positions, it's exciting. Everybody gets excited about it. But Vrabel was one of those ones where I really looked at it and I was, I didn't see it. I didn't understand it. Um, you know, the team it really, was kind of like, huh? Yeah, right. All right. The team last year, it wasn't something where I was like, this is a bad deal. You know, but this it was is a like, bad move. Oh, wasn't expecting that. Right. And I, I do think that I was expecting them to kind of go and say, well, the thing that really hurt us last year, I believe, mm-hmm. was this offense was handcuffed uh, to bad play calls, to bad coaching. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, you kind of fix that by going out and getting a great offensive mind coach or something like that. Sure, that would have made sense to me. Yeah. Um, they obviously went their direction they went, and I'm not going to hold that against them. Pretty much anybody who you wanted a little bit more out of, they didn't give you quite enough. Um, and I think that's something that's going to get fixed. I I do wonder with the coaching uh, staff, but this offense has to be better. The defense certainly is going to be better as mm-hmm. well. So you just start improving things. You start getting more yards. You start having better game plans. It's certainly going to be a better team this year than it just was last year. And last year they were a 9-7 playoff team. This year, to me, they're going to have a tougher schedule in my mind. And the one thing I had to look up is they did split with – or actually they beat Jacksonville twice last year. 
I don't think that happens again. I want to I want to basically do this with their schedule. I want to list you off 10 games. You tell me if I'm crazy for saying that they can go 0 and 10 in all of these games. Okay. Both Jacksonville games, so home and away. Home against the Eagles, home against the Ravens, at the Chargers, at the Cowboys, home against the against the uh, Patriots. I almost said Titans. Well, of course they'd be home. Home against the Patriots. The road games between the Colts and Texans, and then the home game against the Redskins. Well, I certainly think that it's not surprising to say that they could easily split the division three and three mm-hmm. because it's a good division. It is, especially with Andrew Luck coming back. It's a good division. Can win your home games, lose all your road games. And they play tough teams. Like you mentioned the Eagles, you mentioned the Chargers, the Patriots. They play some tough teams. But I don't think it's unrealistic to say that they split with the Jaguars. Mm -hmm. Because the Jaguars, they surprised everybody last year. uh, But they certainly have some flaws on that team as well. Mm -hmm. And... I'm going to trust Marcus Mariota to go out and win me a game. I'm not going to trust Blake Bortles to do that same thing. Mm -hmm. So really with that— But the defense is a lot tougher for Jacksonville. Sure, but this defense should be better for Tennessee as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, you you look at some of this, and really it's going to come down to some of those games where they really have to win. You know, they have to—they have the teams that they should beat. You know, they should beat the Jets, sure. Uh, You know, people are going to say they should beat the Dolphins. They should beat the they Bills. They should beat the Bills. But there's those games like the Ravens, the Chargers, the Cowboys, mm-hmm. those are the ones where they really— Even the Giants being at New York. But I'm gonna, I'm still going to say that people are probably going to say they should beat the Giants. Mm-hmm. I don't really 100% agree because I think the Giants will be better this year, but they're yeah. not going to be amazing. But those kind of games where it's in between, they really need to win those— up-in-the-air type of games. And the Ravens are going to be a good team. Mm-hmm. The Chargers are going to be a good team. You know, these are good teams out there, but what I really want to see out of the Titans, and I'm not expecting, you know, 4,500 yards out of a guy like Marcus Mariota, Mm -hmm. but I want to see Marcus Mariota go out there with command of this offense and everybody to just be better, get more yards, Mm -hmm. throw more touchdowns. And like I said, part of it was the fact that this offense was just handcuffed by, honestly, just crappy coaching really is what it comes down to, but... Mariota, to me, you know, he had that really nice 2016 season, but those two bookends, this past season and the rookie year, were nothing phenomenal. And part of it was rookie year, he was out for, uh, let's see, what was it, four games that he was hurt for? Mm -hmm. And he's been hurt at least one game every year. But I just want to see more out of Mariota. Get more yards, throw more touchdowns. Let's look at 2016 and let's expand upon that. Because, yeah, Derrick Henry is a good running back, but he's not Le'Veon Bell. He's not going to go out there and get you almost 1,300 yards all on his own. This offense all needs to be better, and I really think that this was the right move because last year's offense, and I said that getting to uh, winning a playoff game was one of the worst things that could happen to the Titans because they might be stuck with the Mm -hmm. bad offense that they had because of the coaches. My... My biggest question this year, and like to kind of take my question that I asked you about mm-hmm. the oh ten games who they could beat of those, 
To basically put it simple, I said this in one of the AFC North teams. I think it was the um, Ravens, I believe, when Sean and I did that division. Same thing is true for the Titans. The most important thing that will determine whether or not the Titans are battling for a playoff spot again or if they're a 7-9, and 6-10 team is how they do against teams with winning records. Right now, when I look at it, when I look at my record for the Titans, 0-6 against winning teams. Eagles, are Eagles, Chargers, Cowboys, Patriots, and both Jaguar games. Every winning opponent that they play, 0-6 against. Against losing, then you go 6-4, and four, you win those games. That, to me, is the big thing. Can you beat the Jacksonvilles like you did last year twice? Can you beat the Eagles? Can you beat the Cowboys? Not going to say can you beat the Patriots. You'll probably lose that game. There's not many teams that are going to beat maybe two or three beat the Patriots this year. Mm -hmm. But can you get wins, especially, especially those home games? Eagles you have at home. You get the Jaguars once at home. Upset one of these teams. Like, I didn't even mention Ravens and Redskins. I have them right now maybe around 8-8, eight and eight, not winnable, like winning record teams, so they don't fall into it. Can you get a win and sneak one of those? Those are two home games. So to me, it depends. How are you going to play? Basically, how are you going to play yeah. against 500 and above teams? Here's what scares me is the fact that last year's, and I'm saying this with a, you know, with an asterisk next to it, that mm-hmm. Delaney Walker was your leading receiver last year of 800 some yards yeah Rashad Matthews had like 600 I think Corey Davis had like 300 plus and you drafted Corey Davis to be your main guy yeah this was bad passing the ball and like I said this offense in general was just bad coaching Mm -hmm. is a huge part of that that's gone I want to see what Matt LaFleur can do how he can infuse some of that high-flying we score a shit ton of points here in LA Mm -hmm. offense for the Rams into Tennessee. That's what Tennessee needs. That's what people have wanted out of Tennessee. And, you know, I I don't think they have bad receivers. I don't think they have a bad running back. But I don't necessarily see that one guy who is that, you know, look, there's Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. you know, or sticking with the Steelers, there's Le'Veon Bell, there's Fournette. You know, I want to see that. And I know Derrick Henry isn't that type of guy that's why DeMarco Murray being gone is a little bit of a loss. Not a huge loss, but it is a loss. Mm-hmm. They need somebody like Corey Davis to step up and say, no, I will be that guy. I will be the guy who really goes out there and dominates and leads this offense, who becomes Marcus Mariota, not just needing a safety blanket. This is the guy who Marcus Mariota can lean on so he can build upon that 2016 season where things sophomore year looked like they were going in the correct direction, where then we took a step back for year three, and now year four we really kind of need to move in that correct direction because if things keep being kind of pedestrian, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that Marcus Mario is out of here. Nobody get Ooh, get mad at me for I, saying that. Let me go, if we get can to, I go there for a second? Well, yeah, sure. If we get to four years and it's still pedestrian, there will be people that are – Saying what you're, I think, about to say. Well, no, I wasn't going to say let's get him out of town. I was going to say this. You look at the years 3-13, and 9-7, and 9-7. Let's say this year. 
uh, let's say it's below nine and seven. It's between nine and seven and six and ten. Then next year, it's another like eight and eight, nine and seven team. Marcus Mariota's contracts up. Are there then people that say, "Hey, why are we going to resign this guy? Why would he be worth the money when we can't win with him?" And the thing that I think is interesting, I don't think this is something that's like, oh, he's going to push him out of town, but I think it's right now just a, if you're going through your cliff notes, you're like, I'm flagging this for later. I'm putting a flag on this page. I'm going to come back to it. They drafted Luke Falk in the draft, and he was a guy to me. I'm not that worried about Luke Falk. I expected a team like the Patriots to pick up, Mm -hmm. a team where it's like, we don't need a quarterback immediately right away, but he's a guy we could develop into something if we have to get rid of or if Tom Brady retired with the Patriots. That, to me, could be one where it's like, hey, maybe they drafted Luke Falk this year knowing well that, hey, if we're pedestrian these next two years and we have to let Mario to go because we won't want to pay him, we could develop Luke Falk these next two years to be the starter. If, if we, we have get to. to, if this year is not good, or mm-hmm. Mario gets hurt or something like that, and it's looking like I don't know if we got there's the guy too. If he gets injured again, it's yeah. how can you pay a guy who's been injured every year? I, I expect that if it's getting to this point where for whatever reason they're thinking, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is the guy, they'll draft somebody higher. I, I can't expect that they're going to go. Also, and, depends on where they are in the draft. Well, yeah. If they're but, a team I mean, that goes nine and seven again, we've and makes seen the a playoffs. lot of teams make moves for their quarterbacks mm-hmm. in recent years. True, and it's not the you know Robert Griffin the third kind of trade where Chiefs, everyone laughed about it. Chiefs being one that made the playoffs but made the move for Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, so a lot of teams being willing to move. I mean, you know, just two years ago, literally all three teams that drafted a quarterback in the first round made a trade in order to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, so. It's totally possible. And like I said, I'm not willing to go there yet. I'm just saying that this offense, to avoid being in that situation, it needs to not be this just kind of middle of the road type mm-hmm. of offense. And they bring in LaFleur to be the offensive coordinator for a reason because they saw what was able to happen with Jared Goff. If Jared Goff, who had a bad rookie, like, what, four games, mm-hmm. um, can move into having an amazing second year in the NFL— if you can get that out of Marcus Mariota, and I'm not saying he needs to go out there and, like I said, throw 4,500 yards, but just get him to that next level. Get him out there throwing touchdowns to these receivers. Corey Davis was like 300 yards, no touchdowns last year. Mm-hmm. That is a joke. He needs to be able to get more. And the excitement about the Tennessee Titans is that people were excited about them last year, but that wasn't the year. This next year is just a whole other year of experience. A lot of around a lot of these young guys, they've got a very strong offensive line. The defense is good. They have the potential to be that surprise kind of underdog team. They can make it happen. We just need to see more out of this team. And the thing that really surprises a lot of people is, I think we all expected Marcus Mario to come into the art in the NFL mm-hmm. and just run away with it. Really be like a Deshaun Watson, you know, come in rookie year and just dominate people. Be like Andrew Luck. Push your team into the playoffs every year because that's how talented you are coming into the NFL. No questions about it. But Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, who came in together, neither one has been that guy to really 
push their team to that next level. Mm-hmm. We're getting to that point where it's not going to be that far down the line if neither one of these guys takes a huge step forward. That on our podcast, we're having the conversation, is it time to move on? I'm going to say this year, I see the Titans being, at best, they're 9-7 and seven again. But realistically, I see them as a 6-win, 7-win team. 6-10, and 7-9. and nine. And the reason why I say that is they play a lot of teams this year. At least six of them will have winning records. There are four to me. So there's a possible 10 that could have winning records. But there are basically six for sure that will have winning records. And let's be completely honest. Of those teams, Eagles will be in a playoff hunt. Patriots will be a playoff team. Cowboys will be in a playoff hunt. I could see the Cowboys being the Lions of last year. Oh, they finished 10-6. and six. Still didn't get a wild card because they finished behind the Eagles and couldn't get into the wild card in that tough NFC. And then obviously Jacksonville, they're going to be in the playoffs this year, I believe. I just look at last year and it's like, yeah, you went 9-7. and seven, Yeah, you made the playoffs. But if things change a little bit, like look at your Texan games. Deshaun Watson plays game one, you lose 57 to 14. He doesn't play game two, you win 24 13. I'm looking at that going if Deshaun Watson's healthy, you lose both of those games. Yeah. I don't see that I don't see mm-hmm. the Titans winning both Jaguar games this year. I see them maybe winning one, maybe losing both. I don't see them winning both of those. And with Andrew Luck, I could see them splitting. With the Colts, like three and three, if they went three and three in the division last year, that meant even though I said they would lose to Deshaun Watson again, I'll still give them the win in the second one. That's seven wins. You lose to Deshaun Watson that second time, that's six wins. That's what I think this season will be like that last season just had those chips fall in the right place. Yeah, I kind of had trouble getting them over nine wins um, when you really look at it as well. And you know, it, and I think that's okay for the Tennessee Titans as long as they get some progress with mm-hmm. this, you know, new coaching staff. But that's really what it comes down to. You know, if you're a Tennessee Titans fan, you have to see offensive progress. And also, the thing I'll throw in there is those both Jacksonville games from last year. Blake Bortles played like shit, and Leonard Fournette did not do anything on the ground. And you could say Texan or Titan fans that, oh, well, we did a great job shutting down that Jaguar offense. Maybe. But at the same time, it's Leonard Fournette gets going. That game, those games, especially that second one, Week Seventeen, completely different game. Sure, but Tennessee's defense is good. You know, I'm not going to try mm-hmm. and, and discount or doubt Tennessee's defense. It's solid. You know, they. And I mean, you do add Malcolm Butler, who that is a plus. It's yeah. not a negative. Exactly. I mean, they they've got the right pieces. They've got Vrabel there. He can make a difference. He can push that. Part forward, mm-hmm. Lafleur should hopefully be good on the offensive side, and I think he's going to have a lot of control over this offense. And they've got what they need; they just need to actually make it happen on the field. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. I feel like out of all the teams, this could be the one I get the most hate for because I am probably the lowest on the Titans of all of the. AFC South teams, but this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you think down below in that comment section. And Mark, we finally get to the last team of the podcast. This was the team that came so close 
to going to the Super Bowl in Minnesota. It was almost the Philadelphia Eagles. I almost said Minnesota Vikings. That wasn't true. We were nowhere close. The Philadelphia Eagles against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Some would say, Ricky Widmer would say, that the Jaguars were screwed out of that win WWE style because the refs were paid off. Some would say that. I might be one of them, that the refs screwed them on a few calls in that game, mainly that pass interference call that I will still not let go. But this team is poised, I will say, to make it back to the playoffs, win this division. The thing I want to ask you, this might be a little kind of jump in the gun, but I want to ask you, just let's not beat around the bush. How far is this team going to go this year? Is a Super Bowl bid a realistic expectation for the Jaguars in 2018? I don't know. It's a tough one to say because the defense is definitely really good, and Blake Bortles basically accepted his role of, I just got to not mess up mm-hmm. because I've got Leonard Fournette here, and that's making things really Sometimes really nice it's all me. you need. Trent Dilfer didn't blow him out of the water. Yeah, I mean, sure, there's there's less of those mm-hmm. kind of quarterbacks, especially in the modern era, but they But I mean, works. Trent Dilfer had a phenomenal defense with yeah. that Ravens team. The thing that worries me most, I, I would say, with Jacksonville is, one, it's not a surprise anymore. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows you're coming now. Mm-hmm. Uh but two, you know, you, you lost some injured wide receivers, but they were still some really good, talented wide receivers. And I know that Blake Bortles isn't going to throw it all over everybody. This is a ride and die with Leonard Fournette in the defense. But I look at the receivers, and I'm not that excited about Moncrief or uh, Marquise, you know, Lee. Marquise Lee. I like Austin uh, Safarian Jenkins, but... You know, I mean, you you got a bunch of guys who are just kind of okay receivers. Mm-hmm. So when you need to go out there and win a game, I don't know if I believe that it can happen. So fortunately, that defense is going to keep them in all these games, and they don't really need to worry about that too much. But that's my number one fear with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I for sure think that they can get back to the AFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if they're going to be able to go against a high-powered, once again, you know, Pitts, uh, I'm sorry, the uh, New England Patriots, but even the Pittsburgh Steelers, if they can get it together, mm-hmm. because they, they stumble. They get, they're their own, worst, uh, their own worst enemy. They stumble too much. Um, I think they have trouble against these high-powered teams. Do not, I repeat, do not get tangled up in the wide receivers. And I, I get what you're saying. Allen Robinson was a really good wide receiver for the Jaguars. Allen Hearns, the two Allens, were really good for the Jaguars. But when you look at it in the end, this Jaguar team went to the AFC title game. They did. Without either of them. So really surprising the like, world. The way that I'm looking at it is. Based off of what I saw last year, and I know it was only one year, but based off of last year, they didn't have Allen and Allen last year. What makes like what makes someone think that this team can't do the same thing that they did last year just because they lost those two? Sure. And to me, with the wide receivers, the thing that I really like is yeah, Mark Moncrief and Lee. Do they really blow the blow the door off the hinges for me? No. But they are coming back. They know this system. 
My guy I'm really excited for is the rookie they drafted, G.J. Chark, out of LSU. This guy's got speed. This guy could end up developing into a good weapon for them this year and could be a sneaky target for them because teams will be like, oh, we got to cover Marquise Lee. We got to cover Moncrief. And he could find some mismatches and exploit defenses with his speed in this next level, the linebackers and cornerbacks. Austin Safarian Jenkins, I'm not as high as, I don't think I'm as high on him as you are. To me, he's just been like kind of like a, eh, he's all right in the NFL. Um, Wasn't what he was in college in my mind. To me, this offense is easy. Blake Bortles doesn't make mistakes. Leonard Fournette makes this offense go. Like, as long as the run game is solid, Blake Bortles doesn't turn over the ball, this offense will be fine. On defense, you're bringing back a lot of the familiar faces. You don't lose a lot. You add some little pieces like Tavion Tavon Bryant, who um, some were high on coming into the NFL draft out of Florida. You bring in a third-round pick, um, Ronnie Harrison, the safety coming in out of college. You get some key defensive guys. For me this year for Jacksonville, it all comes down to I am jumping the gun for sure. This team is going to win this division. This team is going to be in the playoffs. And my main question is just one thing in these playoffs. Can they beat the Patriots? That's the only question I have for this team. Because as we saw last year, they can beat the Steelers. They have no problem beating the Steelers. I wouldn't say no problem. I mean, they, sure, they beat the Steelers, but they beat the Steelers 45 to 42. It was a thrilling game. But I would say that the regular season game, sure, they won by quite a bit. But that I was a different Pittsburgh team. I have more confidence in the Jaguars winning a playoff game against the Steelers than I do the Steelers winning a game against the Jaguars. The only question for me is whether it's the AFC Championship game, whether it's the second round, when this team goes up against the Patriots. Because to me, if this team wants to go to the Super Bowl, the way I see it, they're going to have to play either the Steelers or the Patriots in the second round. They're going to have to play the other one in the AFC title game. I, To me, I have confidence they can get through the Steelers. Can they get through the Patriots to get to the Super Bowl? So here's the thing with the Jacksonville Jaguars is I, I do think they're a really good team. I do think they have a very good chance of winning this division again. Um, you know, especially if Deshaun Watson doesn't come out and light the world on fire again or gets Mm -hmm. hurt or something like that. They easily can win again. So that being said, Leonard Fournette faced eight men in the box more than any other running back out there. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's that that he has to deal with. You don't have either one of your top two uh, wide receivers, which I understand they were hurt last year. but Well, really, if we're looking last year, your top two wide receivers yardage-wise – are Cole and Lee, not well, Hearns and Robinson. I mean, Robinson didn't play. Hearns played yeah, about half the season. Exactly. So but to me, I'm not really, when you I, say that's one not and a, two, they didn't have them last year. Yeah, so but I mean, let's let's be honest. Who's the number one receiver in uh, in Pittsburgh? Coming into the, Antonio Brown. 
Does it matter if he's healthy or not? He's the number one wide receiver. But if he was like, if mm-hmm. they lost him and he didn't play the year before, sure. All I'm saying is, if if in the, the two Allens were on this roster right now, they would be one and two. Exactly. But yes. what I'm saying is, based off of last year, they didn't mm-hmm. play anyways. So really, oh, to me, yeah. Cole and Lee are your one and two. And was this offense wise. passing game good last year? It wasn't phenomenal, but it got the like that with the run game. Mm-hmm. This this offense doesn't need to blow. Sure, the top but, off or take the top off the defense. But when they don't mm-hmm. have that opportunity, Leonard Fournette, like I said, ate in the box more than any other running back last year. Mm-hmm. So you have that, plus the fact that now they know there's not a you know a true reliable number one mm-hmm. wide receiver out there. So that goes up even further. And that could potentially mean that Blake Bortles surprises people and maybe he performs better and he's gonna get that. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, really take advantage of that. Sure, that's possible. So you have that coming forward. You don't have the surprise this year. We've seen this offense mm-hmm. now. Blake Bortles understands his role now, which is, I just got to not mess up. That's something that kind of scares me, that there's not a reliable, great weapon for him to take advantage of, which is just going to be that people know the way to beat them is going to be holding Leonard Fournette to basically under 100 yards. Essentially, mm-hmm. if you can get him on or under 100 yards, you're probably going to be able to take advantage of this team because Blake Bortles isn't going to beat you. Now, the flip side of that, of course, is going to be the fact that in the regular season, it doesn't necessarily matter. You're going to win enough games to where mm-hmm. you're going to the playoffs. The problem, pretty much similar to what you said, is when you're going to play these teams that are really strong, they got high-powered offenses— that's when you're going to have some trouble that you're going to run into. And Saxonville can get to quarterbacks, sure, that's going to help. But all it really is going to take is teams to stop your offense, which we saw enough last year to know that it's possible with stopping Leonard Fournette, with knowing that Blake Bortles isn't going to beat you. And then offensively, just quick game. Keep it Mm -hmm. fast. Get the ball out of your hands really quickly and then you can beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Out of last year, and I know that, I mean, the Steelers, were they didn't play the Patriots in the regular season, they played the Steelers. Last year, when I look at high-powered offenses that they played last year, I'll say the Steelers because of the killer bees, that defense only let the Steelers put nine points on them in Pittsburgh. Until the postseason when they gave up 42. The, the po- I'm going to get yeah. to the postseason, but in the regular season... The Steelers only put nine up on them. Yeah. The Rams, yeah, the Jaguars lost that game, but 27 points is not bad. That is like, all right, as most teams are like, if we can keep it 27-21, we could win this game. Like 27 might be getting on the fringe of like, okay, one more, and then, all right, you kind of let them score a lot of points. Rams being a high-powered offense, so I would say. You have the Chargers, only 20 points. I mean, the I'll go down. The only other team to score, I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers got 44 on you. Yep. That was kind of a surprise. But then, like, the other flip side of it is you get games like the Jets and the Titans were 23-20, The main Achilles heel for this team, mm-hmm. and this is where the offensive question comes in, is if – an opposing defense can shut down Leonard Fournette. Can Blake Bortles be the guy to win the game? Can he? Because, I mean, you look at 
his stats, like I'm just looking touchdown to interception. Yeah. In most of the losses, in every loss, one to two had more interceptions. One to one was even, but that was that close jet game. It's like, come on, if you get one more touchdown, you win that game. Then you've got the Ram game, one touchdown, one interception. You don't want to see your quarterback only with one touchdown. The loss against the Cardinals, no touchdowns, one INT. And then the final two losses on the year, two touchdowns, three INTs against San Fran, Mm -hmm. no touchdowns, two interceptions against the Titans. I mean, you laid it out perfectly for Mm -hmm. me. They didn't really play that many strong offenses last year. Mm-hmm. They did do well against strong offenses because this is a great defense. This is yeah. one of the best defenses it, in the NFL. There's no the doubt about that. Defense is going to carry this The team. problem that they have is it's all on Leonard Fournette. Mm-hmm. It's all on him. And he was a rookie last year. If teams have figured out how to stop him, and it doesn't take that many teams to figure out how to stop them to do enough mm-hmm. for the Jaguars to be in a spot where they're not the number one seed, so they don't get home field advantage, and now they're playing on the road, which always is a disadvantage in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just those type of things. Without a doubt, like I said, Jacksonville is getting to the playoffs, but they're going to take a step back from last year. They're not going to be as good as last year. And I, for do Jacksonville, you mean just step back in general or like actual win-losses step back? Because they were a 10-6 and six team Last no, I, I'm not necessarily caring about the wins and losses. Okay. I'm just saying the team in general, yeah, I think is going to take a step back. Uh, I still, honestly, if I was going to guess right now, I'd say they're probably a 10 and 6 team again okay. this year. That's where I have them at with maybe 11 and 5 if one of these games goes the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, for the Jacksonville Jaguars, the regular season to me doesn't matter. I know you're going to get into the playoffs. I'm not worried about that. It's really the when you thing, get there that it starts to make me wonder. The thing that matters about the regular season to me is there are a few games that I want to see you step up in. Week two, when the Patriots come to Jacksonville, you got to step up in that one. Like if you could steal a win from the Patriots in that game, that's going to help you in the AFC standings. Week 11, when the Steelers come to town— I'm going to circle that. That's a must-win game, too. You get that win, that's going to help you in the playoff standings. Then the other games I look at are more so like at Dallas, home against the Eagles. What are you going to do against those really good teams like the Eagles? We expect to be in the playoffs again. The Cowboys, I would say some think they're going to be second in that division. The Giants, depending on what we see, I only think the Jaguars are going to beat the Giants week one because... I don't know what to expect from that giant team right away week one. But, like, this is a Jaguar team that I think, like, I was saying, like, oh, 8-8, eight 8-8, eight, eight eight, 6 and 10. No, this one, like, at the very worst, you're 10-6 and six again winning the division. At the best, this is like a 12-4, and 13-3 team. And mm-hmm. they're 13-3 and three if they get wins over the Patriots, if they beat the Steelers in the regular season and they beat like a cowboy team. Yeah, it's a narrow window for them. Mm-hmm. And and like I said, you know, it, it all is going to come down to the playoffs. And what scares me is they don't face as many strong defenses as mm-hmm. their defense is. But when I'm looking at teams that I think are probably going to be in the playoffs, mm-hmm. I'm looking at teams like the Patriots, like the Chargers, like possibly the Texans, assuming he's, you know, Deshaun Watson's still going to be healthy, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Titans might squeeze their way in there. You know, the majority of those teams I just mentioned are high 
powered offense kind of teams, which most of most of them, not all of them, mm-hmm. most of them have above average defenses too. So they're going to be able to go up against you. You know, I would be scared against teams like, of course, the Steelers, the Ravens, the Chargers, because of actually the Texans throw them in there too, because of their defensive fronts mm-hmm. and what that can put up against you. Um, because, like I said, the key to beating Jacksonville is stop Leonard Fournette. If you stop him, dare Blake Bortles to throw the ball on you. And will he be able to do it a time or two? Yeah, sure. He'll probably be able to surprise a few teams. But overall, based on what we've seen, I don't expect it. Um, And I hate to be that this is such a down segment for the Jacksonville Jaguars. But well, for you, when we're sitting, when we're sitting there coming in saying you're in the playoffs, congratulations, Mm -hmm. let's move forward. And, you know, it's just that's where we're at for it for me. To me, another interesting thing that I think this team needs to change from last year is the end of the year. I I don't want to say killed the team because they still went to the AFC Championship game, but they kind of sputtered at the end of the year. Like, they were coming off that Browns game week 11. I know it was a 19-7 to game, and you're like, whoa, that's kind of close for Jaguars-Browns. You know, with an 0-16 team. But, I mean, that's a game where they were, what, that's 10 games into the season, three losses, so they're... What seven and three, if my math is correct, seven and three after that one, and then it's like the last six games you go five hundred to finish ten and six, and like let's be honest, that Arizona game should have been a win. Blake Bortles gets one touchdown, they win that game. That Tennessee game should have been a win. This team probably should have been eleven or twelve and four last year. Let's be completely honest. Let's tack on that uh, Jet game as well. That should have been a win if Blake Bortles gets one more touchdown. I hate to like put it all on Blake Bortles, but when you only get one touchdown in games, I'm going to put it on you. That's what? Arizona, Tennessee, the Jets, that's three games. This team should have been, let's be honest, should have been 13-3 and three last year. Now, I know last year is said and done. It's over. But the thing that I I think coming in that this team can kind of hang their hat on is they're a good defensive team. They have pieces on offense. To me, the biggest thing is Blake Bortles. Is he going to be the quarterback that, and I know it's easy to say, oh, well, because like I said earlier, oh, as long as he doesn't make mistakes, they'll be fine. He's got to get into the end zone a couple times. If Leonard Fournette, if it isn't going in the run game, you need to supplement that. You need to put the team on your back almost and say, all right, we got to find a different way to get into the end zone. I know that's quarterback working with coaches to find the game plan, but the thing I kind of think is a little bit of a confidence boost for this team is how they ended the year. And I know Jaguar fans, but Ricky, we lost. How can we end it on a positive note when we lost? You went into Pittsburgh. Yeah, some fans will say, oh, you should have lost that Buffalo game. Like, they almost jaguared it in that first wildcard game where it was like the Arizona game, the Jet game, the Titan mm-hmm. game, the Brown game, where it's like, yeah. you should be winning this game. That Bill's Jaguars game was extremely painful to watch. But, like, after that, they turned to switch. And I know 45 42, that, that was a. The only reason that game was close, because towards the end of the game, 
the Big Ben started to go, and it was just match for match at the end of that. It's like a good tennis match when they're just volleying it back and forth. That's what it was late in that one. But that Jaguar defense came up huge to win them that game. Then you go into New England, and let's be completely honest, not only I'm going to just take the first the thing we can control, not only do you hold Tom Brady to 10 first-half points and 24 points overall, that team was, let's be completely honest, they were one bad pass interference call from possibly winning that game. So for me, the Jaguars, they're not a team where it's like, yeah, for sure, book them in the Super Bowl. But I think it's time this year to say, instead of saying like, oh, yeah, Steelers and Patriots are going to be the two that we expect, I think it's time to add the Jaguars into that to where the AFC is the Patriots, Steelers, and Jaguars are automatically in, mm-hmm. automatically well, going to fight, and then it's the rest. I don't think there's a single person out there that's disagreeing with you. Mm-hmm. Everybody is saying that the Patriots, the Steelers, and the Jaguars are one of the three teams that are going to be in there. But it's just I, a matter of which one of those teams isn't going to be in the But I just AFC don't want it to game. be like, I think that the Jaguars deserve the respect of they could go into a playoff match no matter where it is, home or away, with either the Steelers and the Patriots, and win a playoff game against either of those teams. I mean, I I think it's possible, sure, but I don't necessarily. My my hang up is still going to be: we can rave about Ramsey, we can rave about the defense; mm-hmm. they're amazing. We can talk about Leonard Fournette's rookie season; it was fantastic. But it was just one year; it could change for sure. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to give him the credit because I really like Leonard Fournette. Um, so we can say that those things are good, but those things are beatable. How many teams in the modern era do go into the Super Bowl and win a Super Bowl with a great defense and a good running back and a not good quarterback? I mean, there's about two. The only one I could possibly think of is that Ravens team, but I can't remember. I was going to say there's about two and it's the Ravens both times. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it's not. And not that they're not that every quarterback that goes and wins a Super Bowl is Tom Brady, mm-hmm. but the majority of the time, if you're going to win one of these games, it's because you're a really good quarterback. You can maybe throw the St- the I Seahawks mean, in there too. I I look up that roster from um, the 2000 Ravens that um, they went what 12 and four that year. Trent for Ravens won the, and won the Super Bowl that year. Um, just their offense, like they had, and he was a rookie this year. Um, Jamal Jamal Lewis, uh, rookie year, had just almost fourteen hundred yards on the ground for that team, and almost three hundred yard, uh, yards through the air. Shannon Sharp at tight end, um, quarterback, obviously was Trent Dilfer, but then it's like you have that stacked defense as well, led by Ray Lewis. Yeah. So it's like that's the team, that's the model that I think of. And, when and there's I think no of the reason Jaguars. why the Jaguars can't be the next team to do something like that for mm-hmm. sure. But really, what it comes down to for me is just that the the Jaguars are better than almost every other team in the AFC, a hundred percent. But we know how to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of executing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's really what it comes down to. If a team can execute it. They'll be fine. And I know that people are going to say, thanks, John Madden. But 
I mean, boom. There's a difference between how do you beat Tom Brady <laughs> and how do you beat the Jacksonville well, Jaguars. And that's why the one thing I will say for Jacksonville, I want I want to and I will put pressure on Blake Bortles this year. Like, yeah, you had, We've put pressure on J- Blake I Bortles know, for years. I know, but, like, this is the one year where it's like, all right, Blake, you got a team. Like, those those teams before were not real teams. You finally have a defense that can walk into any game against any offense and give them a run for their money. I don't want to see you going one touchdown, one inter. So, like, there's a difference between yeah. not turning over the ball and just being safe. Last year was him just being safe. Yeah, I know he finished 21 touchdowns to 13 INTs, mm-hmm. the least interceptions he had in his career, but also the least amount of touchdowns that he's had since his rookie year when he went 11-17 and 17 in how many games did he play? What, 13 games? That year, that three and ten, while he was the starter in those thirteen, technically played fourteen, but he didn't start one. Every other year, like he had thirty-five against two th- in two thousand fifteen. I'm not asking for thirty-five, but I don't want to see games where it's one touchdown, one int. That's gonna drive me crazy yeah. if well, I'm a Jaguar. When fan you're just this year. playing it safe, you get. A Tyrod Taylor type of situation where your team gets sick of you. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. that you're doing well. It doesn't matter if you get us to the playoffs. If you're still, we've had that discussion. If you're many just times. about three thousand yards, you know, 16, 17, 18 to twenty touchdowns and mm-hmm. not very many interceptions. Great, but it doesn't do much for us if we're not winning games. Um, and, and now Tyrod, Tyrod would have been more successful with a Jacksonville type of defense mm-hmm. and a running back like Leonard Fournette. Sure, but. It just comes down to this. If they had just a little bit better passing game, and I'm not just putting on Blake Bortles, it's the receivers as well. If it just if that passing game's a little bit better, we're looking at this team like many people are, you know, wanting to I'm mm-hmm. I'm saying this mostly for your sake, Ricky. Yeah. The Vikings. Like people want to say about the Vikings and going, Wow, that's an absolutely complete team. And I would actually say that if you just had that better passing game, without a doubt. Everyone's going to agree the Jacksonville Jaguars are a more complete team well, than the uh, Minnesota Vikings are. The quarterbacks are different. and well, I say, it, it just well, needs I, to be a little bit better of a passing game. And I say the quarterbacks are different. I don't say it has to be a better passing game. Mm-hmm. I just say the quarterbacks are different. Whereas Blake Bortles, it's show me you can do something. Like It's poking the guy going, do something. Mm-hmm. Score a touchdown for Jesus Christ's sake. Whereas the Vikings, I think that this year with our quarterback is basically, all right, Kirk, we're giving you the best team that you've ever had. Sure. Show us what you got. But I would say that what I'm saying with that with the complete team, mm-hmm. people are looking at the Vikings saying there's a complete team. Yeah. They're looking at the Jacksonville saying if they just had a better quarterback, it'd be a complete team. Mm-hmm. But the Jacksonville Jaguars would be more of a complete team with that better quarterback well, because they've got the better offensive line. And the last thing I'll say is don't expect Blake Bortles to go anywhere anytime soon because he did sign that extension to where he's not a free agent until 2021. And I don't. I don't see a, a line of teams, mm-hmm. you know, lining up for Blake Bortles unless no. he's willing to be a backup or compete for a job. Well, this is where you guys come in. Let us know what you guys think down below in that comment section about the Jaguars. This is we did good, Mark, until this one went a little bit too long. They're looking at the logo on YouTube and everyone on podcast services around the world. They're like, great, now you know 
what we deal with when we listen to the podcast on audio and not looking at Mark and Ricky's beautiful faces. But let us know what you guys think down below in the comment section. I want to thank you guys for listening. Housekeeping here at the end. Make sure to check out patreon.com backslash most valid podcast. That's how you help out the channel more so than watching, liking, subscribing, listening on podcast services around the world. Make sure to check out our store link down below in the description, also at mostvaluablepodcast.com. That's where you can get our MVP t-shirt and help support the channel as well. Mostvaluablepodcast.com is where you can also catch MVP each and every day. Last but not least, if you are on Apple Podcasts, you do have iTunes, make sure to find the onside kick, give it a five-star rating, and let us know why you like listening to the podcast each and every week. Thank you guys for watching on YouTube, even though you're looking at our logo right now. Thank you guys for listening on podcast services around the world. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.